The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. Uh, we are the unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's um, Vampire Chronicles, Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches, and AMC's Immortal Universe, which includes Interview with the Vampire, Mayfair Witches, and whatever else they throw our way soon. I am one of your hosts, Joel Sharpton, and I'm joined by... Ashley Wright-Eiler. Ashley, I'm so glad to be back with you. I am so happy to be back as well. And we've missed you guys. We've missed... Uh, you know, we, I mean, our conversation's always going on our social media um, sites. You know, we've got a really active Facebook group. So that's been super fun. Um, but I think that we're all so excited to be getting back to it. And to have a premiere date is a really good feeling. It's been a really weird off season. You and I were expecting to take several weeks, maybe a couple of months off. And then the plan was we were going to come back pretty quickly. The pressure immediately got alleviated for us to come back at all it felt like because we went into strike season uh the actors were on strike the writers were on strike for a while and now all of that has largely resolved and all of these series have gone back into production interview with the vampire especially got a i loved what they did by the way and this has happened in past strikes as well amc just what are the what are the writers asking for what what are the actors asking for yeah great let's do that we'll give it to them them yeah (laughs) can we go back to work now Oh, great. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And obviously, AMC is a smaller company and compared to the larger the uh, larger studios, they weren't even one of the studios that was actually in the negotiations. Uh, but obviously, they, they are uh, adherent to union rules. So the fact that they could work with the unions and figure something out and get back into production, obviously good for us. We do love a waiver. Right. Right. I did. Well, and also, we, we love... We love our unions, so we, yeah, we, we, we weren't making episodes and all that, but absolutely we were in support of, of the, the actors and, and writers union. In particular, this current, and we have talked about this on our Facebook and, and et cetera, in this current climate, this current argument was not just over streaming rights. That was a big part of it. But honestly, that's just like, hey, the piles of money are shifting. Let's make sure that we label the piles accordingly. And so we can make the same sort of, you know, equanimity, equanimous deal that we've made in the past, you know? Right, but exactly. The the bigger question, the harder question, the one that was even more worth fighting over was the question about how AI is going to be brought into creative spaces in the future and what studios in particular are going to be allowed to do without having human writers or human actors or human, you know, I think down the road, the directors are going to have that same fight to a degree and editors as well. Um, but what, where are the boundaries there and what are going to be the right. requirements? And so that was a fight worth having. Right. It's not absolutely. over yet. No, it's not. And then this is going to be an ongoing thing for the next, you know, forever. I mean, this is never going to go away. Now that the now that we've opened the can of worms, the worms are here. So um, it's definitely one of those things where um, an actor's, you know, they can a likeness could be used in ways that the actor never signed up for, never got paid for, never agreed to, you know, and that's not, that's not an equitable use of someone's personal, literally personal property. Like they're, they're like, you know, (laughs) it's just insane what they were trying to get away with. And also a big question comes down to a lack of residuals as well. So actors used to like your working actors, your actors that are not your Tom Cruise's, you know, they made the bulk of their money and they're living off of residuals from their shows being reshown on cable channels and that's not really as much of a thing anymore and so however they are streaming into perpetuate into perpetuate perpetuity perpetual time they're <laughs> streaming into perpetual time and so they have to be compensated for that somehow Ashley and I both have a performance background and we, we both get paid currently, at least partly because of how well we speak and, and speak extemporaneously. <laughs> so you can hear that in the way that we've delivered this opening here. Absolutely. Perpetuity, I think is what you're saying. Perpetuity. I can't even remember the one that I tried to hit earlier, but I said a word and I immediately thought, that's that's a... That wasn't quite it. That's not it. That's not what I meant. But that's not quite it. Yeah. 
Anyway. Of course they will. They get us. <laughs> Our fans know us. Here, but here's here's what's awesome, though. Regardless of the way that all of that happened, we are now staring down the barrel of the second season. Uh, IWTV right. is going to be back on May 12th for season two. And, of course, we will Hell be yes. there with every episode uh, just as we did for season one. I want to give you a little glimpse right up to the top here of what you can expect from us. This episode, we're going to talk about that season two announcement. We're going to talk about the casting announcements that have come out recently. I think Ashley in particular has a lot to say about one of those. Um, <laughs> and then I want to talk a little bit about the trailers and the glimpses so far that we've seen into season two of Interview with the Vampire. We'll discuss that specifically. And then next episode, we're going to do a novel uh, episode. We're going to talk about the Vampire Armand, which I think is going to play heavily into season two. We've already covered... Uh, interview with the Vampire, the novel, The Vampire Lestat, Queen of the Damned, as well as Mimnock the Devil. Those have already been discussed in novel episodes previously. Go back and check them out. And if you're joining us for the first time, you haven't listened to our episodes before, especially if you're watching season one of Interview with the Vampire for the first time, I'd suggest not listening to these episodes. Go back and listen to our discussions of season one originally because Ashley and I had not seen the full thing. We're not going to spoil anything for you with these episodes moving forward. We're kind of going to assume you're caught up and you're thinking about right. season two, just like we are. All right, Ashley, first and foremost, um, let's start with the, let's start with the, uh, the first trailer that came out. Um, so we got a, a, a glimpse of this and I'm going to have links for these in the show notes, but that first trailer starts with the idea of introducing us to the Teatro de Vampire, which, of course, we know is going to play a big role in the story of season two. My question is, just how much of Eastern Europe are we going to get? The producers have teased us, the showrunners have teased us in the past that they do have some interesting stories to tell there, especially as uh, our vampires are going to be wandering season two right in the, the, or right towards the end of World War II, I should say. So, um, yeah, I don't know. How quickly do you think we're going to get to Armand's story in season two? I I think that I think they're going to have to to tease it in in some ways, and I wonder if we're going to get more of more of um, Armand and Daniel in the past than we get like in that past in the like the first interview time period, as opposed to the way way past with louis and lestat and armand and claudia so i wonder if like kind of easing us into it we get a little bit of that like more recent past and then we get and then we get more into it so we haven't seen this in trailers yet that i am aware of and i went back and watched all the all the footage so far that's been released in actual video i watched again right before we got on I didn't see this, but in still images that AMC has released, and we've gotten a couple since the season two announcement, there's an image of Lestat and there's an image of Armand, both of which don't look like 1940s Europe. They both look like a much older presentation. And so the speculation in our Facebook group is, well, okay, we know that the Vampire Armand novel is going to figure into this because that was some of the required reading for the creative team for season one. So already they knew that was going to be a part of it. I think we're going to see, if not like all the way back to the very beginning of Armand's story, I do think we're going to see Armand and Lestat's story, quite a bit of it, uh, which still won't be, and this is the thing I wanted to remind our fans, we have still yet to won't see... Be- it's not Lestat's version yet. It's not Lestat's story. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that's so fascinating to me that it, that we might get a whole nother season where it feels like we're you know unpeeling the onion, only to find more layers beneath in another you know reveal like we had at the end of season one. Speaking of the reveal at the end of season one, we've got casting uh, Ashley for the strangest. You pointed out the strangest character name ever. <laughs> I was so real Rashid. Can you imagine? Real Rashid. Um, you are cast in a role that is going to be so good for your career, and you're so excited, and you can finally tell people that you're in it, and they ask, Who are you playing? And you have to say, um, I'm the real Rashid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sup- uh, my guess is 
that eventually if if uh Bally Gill by the way is the uh the actor there uh from Slow Horses and Sherwood. I haven't watched Slow Horses but everyone that I've uh talked to that has says that is a great adaptation of a good novel series on um on Apple TV Plus. Uh but Bally is playing real Rashid. You would have had to have named him something I suppose because people would think, "Oh, they they recast Rashid. Rashid's not as we knew it in season one, it's that's not Rashid's a real person. Not that was real. a yeah. <laughs> Rashid was a cover for our boy Armand. Well, as it turns out, he was specifically again the mind games that that Armand was playing. We talked about this at the end of season one when we did find the reveal of who he was. Okay, great. You got to go back now and look at every one of his actions and think about what was his actual intention and why would he do it like this and what. Who is he trying to fool and for what reason, et cetera, et cetera. Again, here, the fact that he pretended to be a specific person who now is going to be, and this is what I realized today, the a very first trailer that was revealed for season two, it opens with our three main characters, uh, Eric Bogosian and uh, Armand as, uh, excuse me, Eric as um, Daniel, Armand, and Louis all sitting at the dinner table. And they're being served by real Rashid. I, I didn't know that. We hadn't heard that name when the trailer came out. But I recognize the actor now. It's real Rashid that serves him. And Daniel just goes straight into, where were we? <laughs> or where did we leave off? Right. Or whatever the first Absolutely. All let's get along. Let's get on with it. So what do you think, if anything, will be Rashid's importance? Do You, uh, you know, one of my big intrigues is how they're going to um, massage the origin of Armand to be able to tell as much of his story from the novel that we're going to get to discussing next week um, while maintaining and honoring the seemingly Muslim heritage of this character, which is obviously different from the from the novels. Um, I wonder if Rashid's not going to play a big part in that, if Rashid is not going to be part of Armand's backstory in some way. Oh, that I mean, that could definitely be the case. Or, you know, Rashid could serve as a bit of a foil for... Um, like a, a kind of a present day version of Marius and Armand, you know, with, uh, with, with Rashid being more the Armand character. Mm, mm. It's, it's somewhat enthralled and, and in love yeah. with Armand. You know, yeah. Not exactly a servant, but a, which is exactly what he does to Daniel. And in- well, okay. So that would be a real messed up situation because Daniel, at least in our hopes and our dreams, has already served that role for Armand in the past. Maybe had right. That's what I hope. One hundred percent. What I hope in my soul and heart is that that's how it's done, and we're not going to fuck with that. I mean, I, we're definitely fucking with that again. But I, if it didn't happen in the past, I'm going to be really, really bummed. You know what I mean? Because obviously, I think it's going to tie into. He has an illness that's been revealed. Daniel has an illness that's been revealed to us. And so I feel like all that's going to tie into Daniel being pulled pulled into the, you know, immortal realm. Mm. I, I absolutely think there's something to that. I think you're right. and and that But I want be... the past. I want that story in the past because I want to see that. Like, I think that that is such a fucking great time period for it to be set in for us to see all that you know like like kind of fucking seedy and like big collars and shit everybody looks so good in their costumes i'm just pumped Uh, yeah i'm pretty pumped too um the well and i think okay so they cast such a wonderful young actor to play young daniel we only got one scene in season one i guarantee and we do know that he is back for season two so i guarantee you we're going to get more of that story whether there's a reveal that that relationship existed as it did in the books or not i i i I'm not certain, but I do think we're going to get more of their story from the past. Well, we we know something happened there because the the reveal at the end of season one was that Armand and he had already met there in the past. So right, and he doesn't remember him. The yeah, exactly, exactly. So season the the this first trailer though, uh, it, it is a lot about the theater. We meet uh, Santiago and several of the other members of the theater. The the big buildup is to the final drop of that trailer though as our new uh actress for uh claudia asks who is that handsome man on the wall and armand answers our co-founder lestat de leon court and you see louis eyes in 
not shock because obviously they've already seen the image he'd seen it right. there but but like oh no what are we going to do now that's sort of like the dum 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 of the of the first trailer which is then <laughs> right. followed up i think very interestingly and now it, in retrospect it makes sense why they would have chosen this scene the first look at season two that they revealed and again this is a link in the show notes if you haven't seen this video uh, we got about a three-minute scene as the coven, uh, Armand's coven, uh, makes an attack on... I. It's not obvious now when I went back and watched this again. In, in my first... If you'd asked me a week ago, I would have told you this is exactly what it was. Oh, it's, it's Nazi sympathizers in France that are being destroyed by Armand. I don't think there's anything in the, tra- in the, in the footage that we saw to immediately give that away. They do... Uh, Armand does make reference to them getting wealthy on the backs of their fellow countrymen or something like that. Right. But regardless, it seemed to me, at least in my first reading of this, that Armand is definitely playing this as if they are feeding off the evildoer. I wonder if that's going to be the firm rule for his coven that it is at different times in the books. And then the... The other thing that comes out of this is you get a lot of violence in the background as Santiago and Claudia and the rest of the coven rush into the house to rip everybody to pieces. And on the outside, you get a very quiet conversation, some cute flirting, you know, getting to know you (laughs) stuff with Armand and, and Louis. But that all leads up to Armand saying, well, I thought I noticed a, uh, bit of dismay when I mentioned the name Lestat and Louis goes who <laughs> you know again <laughs> like the word the one thing we know from this is that Louis is the worst liar in this immortal universe yes, yes he is and, and I mean I think that that's I mean that's appropriate Louis would be a, a shitty liar he's not I mean I don't think Louis has much of a poker face as the sad sack of the vampire world you know, no, no, he wears his heart and emotions and all of his lies right out on his sleeve, right sure. out on his sleeve. So the the latest trailer is focused very much on Louis and includes more of Claudia, our new Claudia, as she is interrogating Louis a bit about who he is. If it weren't for me, if it weren't for him, and in the trailer they make it seem as if very clearly she's discussing uh, Lestat. I think probably in the series, we're going to find that she is thinking about Armand at that moment and that that's going to be you know, towards the time when she uh, leads towards the creation of Madeline, who has been cast, by the way, in one of those uh, new casting announcements. We have our Madeline, I think, ju- and again, I haven't seen her in action, but just the look of her next to our new oh, Claudia, yes. I think is going to be very, very nice on screen. Beautiful, and it, beautiful. It's another example of how Obviously, this Claudia is very different from book Claudia, but the relationship they're building there is a a rhyme in some ways with the relationship that Claudia has with Madeline in the books. And I think that's going to that's beautiful to watch play out. It's like just as we've seen with Claudia and Louis here in this series, it's not the same directly as Claudia and Louis in the book. It couldn't be. Claudia is older. She has more agency than she does in the novel. And obviously now she's had more, you know, time on the page. I mean, if you add up the script pages, she's had a lot more room to breathe than she did in the one novel um, here across two seasons of TV or whatever. But anyway, that is is one I'm excited about. Um, let's let's look quickly at those casting announcements. I want to get the names out here. Uh, I'm pulling them up. Roxanne Duran is our Madeline. Uh, she's previously been in The White Ribbon and Riviera. Uh, Leonard is going to be played by um, uh, Costable. Last name's Costable. Who, who is this guy? I'm trying to find the first name. David. David Costable. Okay, so David was in Breaking Bad. He was in Billions. That's Dale Bettiger. I mean, that's yes. uh, uh, Gail Bedecker. Gail, that's right. I forgot. Gail I knew Bedecker. that I recognized him when I saw a picture of him the other day. But yes, he, is he was so much Gail. younger than he looked in. Like he looks the exact same age now as he did when he was in Breaking Bad. Like that guy, he was like in his thirties in Breaking Bad, and he totally looked like he was in his forties. Well, you you have to remember that the desert air out there, it's like Tatooine. It ages. Oh, you that's true. It does. It- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hello. That's how you and McGregor turned into uh, <laughs> um, Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. 
<laughs> they were he was out there for 15 years he turned into alec guinness yeah um, it could happen to anybody <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah david david Quist, uh custable is uh going to be joining as leonard uh i don't recognize leonard as a character from the books i don't either we, we already know they've sort of tweaked some they are also it's also possible that they might be giving us one character but presenting them as another just as they did with rashid i think that's right. a possibility it's a great actor regardless though and he's gonna do very well with these uh with this dialogue that we've seen well so and far, sometimes so. You know, sometimes you get like a uh, like a, a a version of several characters kind of morphed into one, yes. and that's always kind of a possibility with that too. It's uh, he's f- a fucking great actor, so I'm excited to see what he's. I mean, because there is no clue; we have no idea. It's not a character from the books that I can recognize name wise. So I think that that's kind of fun and exciting. I agree. I agree. We mentioned Bally Gill earlier uh, as real Rashid, but also um, <laughs> one that we already knew, Ben Daniels joining as Santiago. Santiago is such a tremendous shit in Asshole. the novel <laughs> and the movie, you know, and so I'm very excited yeah, I, to see how he plays out here. He's so fun to hate. Like that character is really fun to hate. Well, I think about what they did with the, <laughs> who, who was their friend? Who was their human friend who they asked to help join Mardi Gras at the end of season one? What was the guy's name? Tom something? Tom Anders, oh, yeah. Anderson or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's like... Tom Anderson. Was, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so it's a small character, but they wove that through the whole season, right? I wonder... Like, that's what I think with any of these any of these characters. I'm, I'm thinking if you can give that kind of depth and, you know, witty retorts and interesting moments to a character like Santiago over the course of the season, they're going to make me love him. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ben Daniels anyway, so I think it's going to be hard for me not to enjoy um, Santiago's terribleness already. Um, <laughs> since we're it's talking, a love-to-hate character, for oh sure. Boy. It's a love-to-hate character. Since we're talking casting announcements, uh, Ashley, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the casting announcements at our, I don't know, our sister show, I guess. Let's t- let, uh, uh-huh. The uh-huh. Mayfair Speaking- Witches. Of love to hate? Yeah, boy. Okay. Listen, if you had what asked have they me, done? If you'd what asked me done? a week ago, what could Mayfair do to get you <laughs> even angrier about having to watch season two? <laughs> what in the fucking nightmare hell have they done? Okay, so first thing, for let's talk about something good first. Thora Birch has joined the cast of season two of Mayfair Witches, and I was jacked up because once upon a time, as I was watching Thora Birch be amazing in some movie or another as a as a younger actress, I thought to myself, that would be a wonderful Mona Mayfair someday if anybody oh. ever had the balls to make Lasher properly, right? Okay. Yeah, she really would have been. She like uh, yeah. They're not, she's obviously not Mona. They've, they've have given her character name here. Let's see. Thora Birch is going to be Gifford Mayfair, a self-deprecating tarot reader and wannabe bohemian who lately spends a lot of time at her lake house. I don't believe Gifford is a character from the novels, although there are a hell of a lot of Mayfairs. So she may be, she's not a You know, a that name sounds anyway. familiar though. That name does yeah. sound familiar. Our other young Mayfair is, uh, let's see, Gerald's, what is Gerald's first name? Where is it? Um article Alyssa Gerald's here we go Alyssa is from Fatal Attraction the new which by the way we you and I talked about that I think last season that they did Fatal Attraction as premiere TV with um god I can't remember the two actors that were did but any that's on Paramount by the way if you haven't seen it I keep, oh yeah yeah I haven't list. watched it yet I've heard it's pretty good uh, but apparently Alyssa was in that she was also in Boo Bitch which I am not familiar with <laughs> and this is the year uh and Boo she's gonna bitch. join yes She's going to join as a series regular. She's going to star as Moira Mayfair, Rowan Fielding's cousin, and a mind reader who blames the family and Lasher for the death of her sister, Tessa. So Tessa was the what we considered as a the Mona, Mona fake replacement. out. Right. So I'm guessing Alyssa here is our Mona, but again, they're swapping names around. And I, So who the know, fuck knows? Listen. We some we've praised this at times on interview with the vampire because they have earned it. They they have made changes to the source material. Absolutely. But so far, they have largely played out in interesting and exciting ways that are characters still true. Yes. Yeah. 
characters aren't acting like they should are, are they're they're still behaving like themselves like there is a true like clear representation of these characters as i know them in these books in interview that is not the case with mayfair at all no no it is it's very much not and and like even things well, okay, we know from the little things that we have seen leak out from season two of Mayfair that Lasher is, at least for a while, going to remain a toddler. That is just not the case in the book. We've no. talked about this before in the, in the book. By the time that birthing scene is over, well, he's a grown-ass something, you know, wandering off into the dark with, with Rowan. Anyway, they're way off the rails on that show, and so who knows where they're going to go. But there's two uh, good actresses added to the cast. God bless them, and peace be with they die yep. into <laughs> As they go into this. Uh, <sighs> yeah, this interesting yeah. stuff. Here's, here's the lead. Okay, though. guys, here it, it is. Here it is. Ted Levine. Ted Levine. Of, of Big Sky on Becoming okay. a God in Central Florida. Tiny, beautiful thing. Why are Lots we saying of any work. of those things when he was fucking <laughs> Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs? That you, man could play Jesus Christ himself. And 100% of the time, I would think there's Buffalo Bill dressed up like Jesus Christ. Listen, I did think, I did think to myself, there is one thing that Ted Levine and... Uncle Julian, who is who he's playing, by the way. He's playing fucking Julian. Julian Mayfair, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The one male scion of the Mayfair family. Uncle Julian is fucking Buffalo Bill. They do have one thing in common, though. I could absolutely see. It's not a scene from the books, but I could absolutely see Uncle Julian standing in the mirror, butt-ass naked, saying to himself, (laughs) and anyone else who would would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh, Julian did like to cross-dress as well. Julian um, enjoyed a a little cross-dressing experience. And not not only like to cross-dress, but would literally cross-dress with his daughter and go out with her as the the male and he as the female. Like, uh, he had many, many uh, same-sex relationships. Julian is a Julian's is a great story. He's got all sorts of wonderful things that this show could dive into. You and I even discussed, boy, what if they hard rebooted the series or soft rebooted it, I guess, by just making a new show that focused on Julian and Mary Beth and did like that time period and just went from there. No, they, they're not going to do that. Look, so- listen, here's the thing. This man could could do something exceptional here. If he's great, then I may not look at him and think about him wearing a skin suit. (laughs) But until that happens, I can only look at that man and think, was she a big fat person? (laughs) Are you fucking serious? Oh my God. We joked about it. So that announcement came out and they didn't say who he was playing yet. Or we heard the name and didn't know the character yet. Oh, and, what a great and I literally He's said, all sorts of wonderful things. And I literally said, what? Someone was like, what if he played Julian? And I was like, that would be a fucking <laughs> crazy. And then literally like 10 minutes later, it was like, oh, fuck. He's playing Julian. Confirmed. He oh. is, in fact, playing Julian. I don't. Sorry, I don't guys. Know. I mean, Listen, that actor, bless him. It. He's we so good. Last year, he's he, yeah, he's a very talented actor, but he is he's not not physically, not vocally, not I, I mean, nothing I've ever seen him play shows me what I imagine when I think of Julian. I mean, Julian mm-hmm. is closer to Sam Reed than he is to Walter. I mean, to uh, uh, to Mr. Levine. So I, I don't I don't know, man. I I'm I'm across. Listen, Harry Hamlin. Look. Harry Hamlin did a lot of dancing and, and scene chewing, and it wasn't the Mayfair witches that I know, but it was it was fun at times. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. I wasn't so angry. Like, maybe Ted about just that. up for that package, right? Like, give me eight episodes and a lot of money, and I get to chew some scenery and be an evil Southerner, and I might go away. I don't know. I don't know if I can picture that man not wearing a, a skin suit made out of women. Uh, <laughs> then. 
uh, he will have done a trick, a real trick. So, so one, the one other big announcement from the Immortal Universe is that uh, John Lee Hancock, Oscar nominated uh, for The Blind Side, is going to be um, writing and executive producing a series based on the Talamasca. This is in active oh, development currently. So excited and about the possibility of this. That's exactly it, right? I mean, so far, AMC is 50-50 on their batting, you know, whatever, 500 on their series here. Mayfair is not a good adaptation, and it's <laughs> barely a decent <laughs> TV show to watch, very frankly. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire is one of the best things in 2022, and, and genuinely the best adaptation of that novel. We'll see uh, where the rest of the series goes, but season one was amazing, you know? So... I don't know. They they could do amazing things. We joked well, in the in the Facebook group about <laughs> just saying that everything that happened in Mayfair Witches that was a rogue group of well, the other thing though, agents. right? The other thing too is that that's not like the home office. You know, that's like a fucking right. little branch in New Orleans. Like the I really I like the idea of still getting the you know the the Talamasca as as we know it. David Talbot, that's another way we could get David Talbot back as a character, you know, that has just been, it's too important of a character to have just, you know, and, uh, and Adam and, and Aaron Leitner, who I love, I fucking love Aaron. So like that idea of having those characters maybe be introduced through, through that series is kind of exciting for me. I mean, I do wonder how are you, how are you going to set that series up? as its own thing without having either one of those characters, if not both of them as mains. I mean, maybe they're not yeah. your protagonist, right? Maybe you want a younger, I mean, I think about, uh, Mahari's granddaughter, um, from the interview, uh, I mean, from, uh, queen of the damned, you know, she could come in and be your entry character as a new, right. Jesse, yeah, Jesse. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Could come in and be a new entry character or something like that. And that way you get to explain the world and the rules and whatever a character like that. Fine. Make that your, your protagonist. So you can cast another young, attractive person. But like, I mean, think about Magnum PI had Higgins, right? Like you gotta have, you gotta have a man. Oh, right. Here, Absolutely. Or, or the Charlie to your angels that are sending these folks. Absolutely. Off to gallivant around and find the strange and the peculiar. I do think, boy, wouldn't it be cool if you did a Talamasca series and used it? You and I were talking uh, off air before we started recording about uh, the Midnight Society over on Netflix and how that was right. sort of a way to get into several of Christopher um, uh, Christopher Pike's books. Same thing with Fall of the House of Usher is like several of the Poe stories basically adapted a along the course of that series. Same thing here with Telemasco. You could go through and do things like, for instance, do a whole season and tell the story of the of the gin from um, uh, Servant of the uh, Servant of the Bones. Right. You know, There's so a, many things you can do. You can do you some of the past the of the. Yeah, or you can do the past, the past of the Mayfair witches in that. You know, yes. like if if they're not going to utilize that storyline, that is the fucking best part of the witching hour. Then please, by God, do it over here in this series so that we can get that. Like, because that's that's the fucking best part of the witching hour, hands down, without a doubt. I mean, I know we're into last year now, but you know, as we're going into the second season of of Mayfair, we're probably. I mean, we're clearly moving right into last year, but. I just think that that's the the richness in all of those stories are so great. It would be a bummer to like waste them. It absolutely would be. The the other thing that it makes me think about is like not so much the end of the series, but the first few years of uh Agents of Shield on ABC. Yes. Where Everything that happened in the movies was responded to and connected and deepened and like yes. this was tied to this other thing. And oh, I fucking love that show. That's what the that's what a series about the Talamasca could be. It could show how all of these um this how it truly is a universe of connected well, stories. And, and how the fallout too much about any particular protagonist of the main stories. Absolutely. Know? And you could see how the fallout from our characters' actions and reactions and misactions affect 
you know, the, the mortal world, you know, how their actions affect what's going on in the actual real world, which is, I think, a really fucking brilliant way to make people give a shit about the stories more. Uh, I, you know, taking a peek towards some of the later novels, there are, there are other aspects of the Talamasca that, that show up in the final three, especially that would really be interesting to be again, just as you were talking about having flashbacks, maybe for, you know, several episodes or whatever, but you could have an ongoing narrative through the background of this series, a modern day protagonist, where you're literally seeing the history of the Talamasca the formations. Right. formations, you know, from the very beginning, which is something that we didn't get in the flashbacks of season one of Mayfair Witches, but the in the in the novel, The Witching Hour, the creation of the Talamasca seems to be in inexorably tied with uh the Mayfair family, you know? And so anyway, we could see all of that in this series. I think that's there's a lot to gain for AMC there. I'm hoping that they follow through and, and put the right creatives in charge. Well, of there's it. just so much source material. I mean, she, this woman wrote so many books and they are so full of story. You know, they're just, you know, not, not aside from the beautiful lyric language she uses, not very much a moment wasted, you know, things move along pretty quickly and we get a lot of, of, of plot and story within these books. So there's just, there's just so much that that, that's been left on the page, even within interview that's been left on the page. So I do, I love, I love the idea of having a series that could pick up all of those pieces and, and give them to us in a different way. Um, Interestingly, one thing that wasn't mentioned at all in the announcements the other day is the announced and then canceled uh, series of shorts, I believe was the plan for the night Island. Do you remember this? That was, Oh yeah. Um, they made the announcement that those were coming in between season one and season two. And then that got, I bet the I strike just fucked that canceled. right up. I think that's, I think they said it was actually canceled during the strike. Uh, I wondered if it might not be, re- if it wouldn't be revived now that everything is back up and running clearly, but uh, seemingly not. I, I wonder if some of those storylines were maybe, rolled into some of the things that they'll do for season two and, and maybe the Talamasca series, for instance, like that. Well, and it could be... be something they pick up again later too, you know, like yes. that's not, the timing's not quite right. You know, AMC has been going through it with, uh, you know, financially up, up and down and all around. I think that their streaming services are, have really, really started to kick up and make them some good money. I think the partnership they've done with HBO has been really good for them. Um, but I, I'm sure they're probably trying to make sure that the things that they've got that are working keep working. And I mean, I know we're not fans, but Mayfair, they're pushing Mayfair really hard. Like they've been really pushing Mayfair during the off season far more than they were pushing interview. Well, the numbers were good for season one of Mayfair. And, and if you go and look at, I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit, I think even in our coverage of season one, the fact of the matter is the, the, main storyline of interview with the vampire being a same sex relationship between, you know, two beautiful men is so beautiful. It's challenging for mainstream big time premiere TV. And you would think, well, we did like six years of game of Thrones with a brother and a sister screw and who cares? Well, I'm telling you some people do. And there just wasn't that particular hang up in the Mayfair series. Meanwhile, the Mayfair series offered a little bit more quote unquote normal supernatural TV tropes, right. I think. Kind that, of a, a, a match, like witchy magic, you know, like that's kind of yes. what people, it's, it's a very easy, it's, it's easier to accept witches than like vampires and werewolves, I think for adults, you know what well, I mean? And, and as preposterous as the, the plot was, as it was laid out or whatever, the progression of that narrative was very straightforward and doesn't really require in any way like knowledge or, or uh, honestly it, it rewards not having any affection for those characters before you meet them in the series, I suppose. Oh, you're very well served by not having read that book. I think that that's something they were counting on was that like, that's a really thick book. I bet not a lot of people have read it. <laughs> 
I, I bet everybody owns that one, and they've gotten through and, and four they've... chapters, and they were yeah. like, I thought there were witches in this. The, the, you got to remember, the whole first part of that book is like, it's Michael and it's Rowan, and they don't know each other yet, and their lives are fairly mundane for like a long right. time. So like, <laughs> yeah, like he almost drowns, and she saves him, and then it's all about kind of them like eventually meeting each other but it's there's so much of like her just being a doctor and her and her um her and her uh, mother who's sick with cancer you know like there's it's just very it is very mundane for the first quite a bit it's i mean it's a great book i love the book but i'm telling you they were banking on people not having finished it <laughs> no uh, well again what does this uh, i i literally just uh, earlier today i went to amc the app and i pulled up I was looking through like what was there and, and if they put out any like, teaser stuff in the app for interview, they hadn't, they did recently drop the cast diaries for season one of Mayfair witches. And I clicked through to see if it was the same as what we had experienced for season one of interview. And it is, it's the full episode and interspersed a couple of times where there would be commercial breaks. They have these, you know, little 30 second segments with the creator or a member of the cast or something. And, um, and those are fine. But I was reminded, though, as as troublesome as season one of Mayfair Witches was, they got the opening right. They pulled it directly out of the novel. You just go to the house. You just show how creepy ass wonderfully that house is. And then you, you show Lasher, you know, peeking around the corner and hiding through the bushes and things like that. And that's all you need. That's the atmosphere. And that's the excitement that people. And if he say, stays in the shadow, don't get to the files. Yeah, yeah, if he stays in the shadow, you don't notice that his suit is too small. <laughs> and that his buttons line up with his nipples. I don't know. I don't know. He's such an attractive man. He he's is. He's a cup of How yum. How that up? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it starts with the hair and it ends with the jacket. And th the combination there of the terrible, of the terrible hair and costume. The double-breasted suit jacket. Ugh. By the way, by the way, we are not. Neither one of us are impugning either the hairstylists or the costume designers because I guarantee you, they were given this directive for the. Oh, were not choices made. Otherwise, he would designers. not look like that. <laughs> no, no, friend. So I, I, all I'm saying is that combination though does not give me a whole lot of hope for what they're going to do to Ted Levine to to get him into Uncle Julian's oh, garb. Oh, <laughs> no, if he comes out, see, and the thing is, is that he. I was about to say, if he comes out in like a colorful, like flowy kimono, I'm gonna fucking die. But the thing is, is that Julian would totally wear a flowy fucking kimono. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like there's so much. And again, I don't know, maybe they'll do it. Maybe he can pull it off. But I, oh, now I'm absolutely thinking about Ted Levine and Jack Houston standing there asking each other back and forth. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, all right. We're well, in for it, Joel. We're the, in for it. We're going to get the good series though, before we get the, the not good ones. So we're, we're okay, guys. There's so we're much fine. Out of us. It's fine. Uh, both these, by the way, have been confirmed as eight episode second seasons. Am I am I right on that? I know Mayfair I think was confirmed so. as eight, eight episodes. I believe uh, IWTV was as well. My guess is that we're going to get the same sort of releases for these as we did for Mayfair. Not as we do. I don't know if you remember this, but last year we got, or I, God, it was longer than that now. When Interview with the Vampire season one released, it was dropping a week early on uh, AMC plus that's right a week later on cable. I don't think that'll be the case. Now L last year they took advantage, I think of the end of the walking dead, the, the primary series. And we were sort of picking piggybacking on that to launch this new thing. And I think that's the reason they were playing some games with the release schedule. Also, they, they had basically just launched their streaming service not too long before that. And interview was their first big, um, thing there. I I think the plan will be closer to how we got with Mayfair, which is early in the morning we'll get the drop on AMC or midnight before or whatever. And then, you know, the Sunday night we'll get it for cable viewers. Um I'm excited though to bring you this and we're gonna keep talking between here and there. We are gonna do a full rewatch of season one. Uh we'll discuss that for you here. But again, I wanna 
counsel you if you if you've gotten this far listening to us and you haven't seen all of season one yet, go back and listen to our episodes that we did when we were fresh to the series as well. Oh, you guys, it's so good. I mean. Please do a rewatch if you haven't yet, you know, like, like get yourself really ready for the second season. I think we, we all deserve it. We deserve this. I don't think any of us were expecting season two to come out before. I mean, best case scenario, I thought maybe this October we'd get it. Um, worst case scenario, it might have gotten pushed to 2025. So the fact that they've managed to pull this off coming out of that double strike is just fucking incredible. And it's so exciting um, that we, that it's almost here. I mean, we're, we're just in the, we're just in the number of days now. So few uh, we're under, what is it? It was 95 the other day when I made my silly little post and that was like Wednesday. So we're at like Ugh. 90, 93 days until season two is upon us. So I need a widget uh, for it. Keep the faith and, and we'll be with you along the way. Also, uh, guys, actually, if you haven't checked out the yes, Reddit interview with a va- interview, uh, uh, the subreddit R interviews, interview vampire, there's some fucking incredible pictures on there of the guys just looking so smoldery and delicious. So I highly recommend popping over there and get you some eye candy. There are some potential spoilers, but they usually have them blocked out so you don't you don't um, see those as you click on them. But one of the funniest posts I saw was uh, two days ago, Lily Rose Depressed <laughs> posted, the toxic gays are almost back. <laughs> With a bunch of pictures of our of our handsome handsome boys <laughs> looking at each other like they love each other so much. Oh, I do love that the marketing for season two has made it clear that we're not going to do without Lestat. Not completely. yes, yes. In what form we're gonna like? Will do? Are we going to get quote unquote current? Lestat, like, are we going to see him in the 40s with them in Europe? I don't know, but we're going to see that beautiful Sam Reed mm. and our lovely. How is he better? How does he look better this year than he did last year? It's how is hair, it fucking actually. possible? He so is so is fully incredible now. There are no extensions. There's no, it's, it's fully grown into a mane. And the beauty of it is they're paying that young man enough, hopefully, to maintain that beautiful locks. Oh. Uh, from, Please and thank you. Out. Just live permanently in Lestat uh, if you want to for the next few years, sir. We yeah. appreciate it. I mean, we'll call uh, you that in the off season if you want. I don't give a shit. I'll call that man just about anything he wants me to call him. As a matter of fact, <laughs> don't call me late. Um, call right. me whenever. Yeah, yeah. Call me. Um, hall pass. Uh, that's what I'll call him. Anyway, we are going to be back soon with an episode discussing the Vampire Armand, uh, the novel, and, well, I'm not going to call it my favorite novel, Ashley, but it is a novel. (laughs) It's a novel that we read. We read it. He's such a little shit. Armand is just such a little shit. He is a shit, but I got to tell you, I think there are some things that were exposed in this novel, or at least this reread for me, about our our beloved dame, uh, Anne Rice. We're going to discuss that in the next episode, too. I want to <laughs> talk about some of her particular peccadilloes. Yeah, we got a lot to unpack with that one. Yikes. <laughs> That's right. All right. Until then, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And this is the Articulate Coven. Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. 